Justin, pop quiz question. Not what number is it, but why did you blow up the SpaceX rocket? Because I why, thought it looked cool. Why did you do that? It looked cool. Was there a rare Pokemon that you wanted to get? It's not how Pokemon Go works. Oh, and I okay. haven't played in a couple weeks. So. Ooh. Eh, lost its appeal. Aww. Were five-year-old children beating you at the gyms? Eh, there's not a lot of gyms around me. There's like one at the library, and that's it. It really? was always my color already, so I'm just like, fuck it. So that's your one reason for going to the library now? Yes. <laughs> Get all my books online. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't want to kill more trees, man. I am thinking of the environment here. But then you blew up a rocket. Yes. Causing a big fire. It was an environmental protest against space. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yes. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, SpaceX big rocket exploded and uh, destroyed Mark Zuckerberg's satellite to bring Facebook-sponsored internet to Africa. That's what it was for. Yeah, that was a it was an Israeli thing, but it, yeah, it was something like that. Israeli communication satellite. Was that not the Facebook satellite? I thought it was. I don't know. Were there two satellites, perhaps? Uh, I thought I, I heard an Israeli satellite was the cargo. Oh, I just read that Mark Zuckerberg was furious about it. So maybe Facebook was using the Israeli satellite? Possible. Either which way, African people will have to wait for their internet now? Yeah, their uh, ad-supported data mining internet, unlike the dude in India. Did you see this? No. Who launched a nationwide LTE network that is being charged for... Or it's... Price point is at like seventy five cents a gigabyte. So meaning more poor people in India can use internet for very low price point. It's pretty Good. cool. More World of Warcraft gold sellers. I mean right there. It's an industry. China might be like, you know, not so much being getting into, so they might, you know, offload some of that to India, sure. Yeah, I mean they gotta whisper you when you log in. Hello, my friend. Yes. For $2, you can have 1,000 gold pieces, instant delivery. Please go to wowgold.com and do the needful. Yeah. Sorry, if you've ever worked with a Indian uh, offshore person in IT, that is a phrase they use for some reason. I'm not sure. Do the needful? Yes. It's sort of like, you know, you know do the necessary work to get shit done. I, I honestly don't understand it. So basically, do you think this means that the click farm industry is about to become much more competitive? possible yeah or i mean you just see new innovation which is you know the bright starry-eyed sort of you know vision of this come out of india telecommuting click farmers i think what they really need help on they could use that cheap data for is their farmers really need help uh managing their crops and so far like the big biotech firms that work with them aren't really helping them that much Hmm. so maybe now that they can manage their own kind of i guess computer stuff to manage their data about the stuff they're harvesting might be better for them to stay independent. You know what? They should have bought the Terminator seeds. They had to be big men and refuse. They should have bought those Monsanto Terminator seeds. Oh, yeah, Monsanto. Yeah. They're, they're pretty cool, aren't they're they? They're really cool. I mean, they, they took those plants that are supposed to reseed themselves and genetically altered them so they don't, so the seeds only grow one season. Yeah. And you got to buy more. Kind of cunty. 
and then the seeds blow their pollen into other plants on other people's farms and make them into Monsanto branded seeds because they, they own and the then genes. They sue the people. And they sue the farmers for yeah. stealing their plants. That's why <sighs> there's been like so many yeah. suicides from farmers in India, right? Because they they're getting sued or they can't afford to buy the seed to run their farm anymore because, you know, all their plants don't produce the seeds that yeah. they're used to depending on. And then the seed, the plants that are infected with the Monsanto, like Chimera DNA, Monsanto says, we're going to sue you or you can just pay us for the seeds you stole and use our seeds now. Yeah, fuck Monsanto. They're heroes, Justin. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about over there. Great technology, not so great business practices. Fuck them and their miracle yeah. grow. Yeah, maybe they can use Terminator seeds to make people who can't reproduce. <laughs> Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> that might be helpful. <laughs> I mean, just speaking of India, lots of people oh. there who you know need to be fed. And uh, I think there are much cheaper ways to to have that happen. It just requires some education, and you know that's another thing. Maybe that they have a network now that's cheap and accessible. Maybe it's better to educate. I now. can't remember which. Asian country does this or maybe did this, but they actually give some incentive to people who get sterilized if they're, like, retarded? Has to be China. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Chinese government thing. I'm against China or Singapore. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Singapore, but I could be wrong. I didn't want to go throwing out countries. But... I, I'll take the bullet. I'm going to guess Singapore. That's, that's, Second guess China. That's one good way to, uh, you know, help decrease population. Just give an incentive to... But you talking kids. about the internet satellite thing. Number one, latency. Wow. I guess they don't care. Okay, I mean, latency doesn't really matter unless you're, you know, gaming online. Yeah, type how of. are these guys going to ever be elite, you know, no-scope headshotters on Counter-Strike? I'm but, talking about, like, the bright, starry-eyed, you know, entrepreneur that's living in, you know, rural India that, like, doesn't have access to the internet. And now yeah. he does. And then now he can become a YouTube Let's Play sensation playing Counter-Strike, no scoping, you know, frat boys. Or yes. he can access his bank through his phone, finally. Yeah. Without waiting or that's... going to a depot or something. I that's mean, true. yeah, that's, like, going to be the wide sort of, you know, <clears throat> benefit of this, that people will have, you know, access to phones and more modern technology and just be able to integrate that into, you know, what we do day-to-day on our phones. But there will be some people out there that are like, Man, if I just had, like, a good internet, you know, I could, you know, do this, you know, startup idea I have, and it'll be great, but, you know, he doesn't have access to that, so now he does. Woo. Yay. Yay. More toilets for everybody. Yeah, yeah they need some of those over there. They, they do. They really do. So nobody's working right now, right? Well, we just saw your post guy come up. No, we didn't. Oh. Everybody's on vacation today, Justin. Okay. We gotta tell. We gotta sell the idea to the rest of the world that this is a worker's paradise here. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. Cool. Speaking of paradise, can you feel the segue coming? Can you hear the electric motor whining? Paradise. It's like a lush green place. Florida. Was there something that happened in Florida? Florida's not a lush green place. It's hell on earth. Yes, God's waiting room is a bad place to live, but no, I was referring to maybe the Garden of Eden, which came after Genesis. You mean with the snake and whatnot and the apple? Yes, with the snake and the apple. Okay, how did the snake just tell him, or tell Eve to eat the apple, or like, did he like hand it to her, but with no hands? 
I think the snake probably just talked her into it. Oh, okay. Did she get like a step stool and like? I think she jumped. Oh, just, okay. Just you know, grab it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Opposable thumbs. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Maybe they'd even kill somebody's son. Yeah, that was just like 5,000 years ago. It was cool. Anyway, yeah. Killed someone's son. Yeah. Tossed them down in the Garden of Eden. Right. Wait, we're combining Bible stories now, aren't we? We're talking about Star Trek Three. Oh. And how Captain Kirk is really God because his son was sacrificed. That shit movie <laughs> I had to watch last night. Wow. How could you not like Star Trek Three: Search for Spock? Because it looked like the sets were made out of like cardboard, and it looked like I don't know. How were the sets made out of cardboard? They probably. What were. are you talking about? Like, when, well, okay, in, in I, what I just, part? I guess it bugs me. The first two movies sort of felt like they're standalone stories that like need no explanation. You go and it's like, okay, you know the characters, whatever. But then it's like, oh man, Star Trek Two was a huge success. Let's like make bank off that shit. That's what I felt like these two movies were. That's all I'm saying. You're staring at me. I am. Okay. I'm just saying, like, it feels and like you could have done like, you know, an original story again, but they chose to How is this not an original story? It's like it's a it's a kind it's a sequel. I, I get yeah. that. And they, like, I think they're assuming that everybody who watched Star Trek 2 will watch Star Trek 3. We're pretty safe assumption since they're made for Star Trek fans. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't think that's a good assumption to make. It was, especially with Star Trek. Star Trek, I always felt like was, like, standalone episodes. Like, there was, like, a slight continuity, but, like, there was a, you know, they were kind of standalone. I thought the movies were the same way, but it's not. Did you just say continuity? Yes. <laughs> I told you, I woke up like 20 minutes ago from you, like a nap. Actually, I'm still like, you didn't tell me that. Oh, I told Grant that then. Oh, okay. Yeah, you... Yeah, I like just woke up and I noticed it was 2 o'clock. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta... Gotta go. Gotta go, man. Gotta, gotta go. Gotta get to the studio. Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. Well, not this weekend. Why not? There's cops out, man. Justin, you're white. Fucking Labor Day. You're fucking white. Come on. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) What are they going to do? Right, exactly. Actually, you know what? They probably would pull you over and shoot you for not liking Star Trek 4. I can see why Star Star Trek Trek 3. Star Trek 4 was better, but. Yeah, see, I like Star Trek 4. That's my favorite out of the old ones. Better, but what? Yeah, Justin. What are you going to (laughs) say? I'm trying to remember it since I was like kind of tired this morning when I watched it. They go back to the 1980s. So, like, I guess I never, like, is all that Save the Whale crap from this movie, or was that just, like, a movement going on at this time? Um, that was pretty much a big movement. Okay. Like the, you know, we're, we're boycott. That's in uh, Lethal Weapon, isn't it? We're boycotting tuna because dolphins get caught in the net or something. I think it was just one part of a larger environmental movement. But, I mean, all that green yeah. hippie shit was, right. yeah. Like it was a, really coming into its own through the 70s and 80s. Okay. So it was a topical movie. Okay, that just seems... I don't know. It seemed very strange, the whole concept of, I guess, <laughs> like, there's this giant black cylinder. Like, is it filled with, like, whales in the ship making noises? 
I don't know. And then it just decides to like, okay, we're going to make a bunch of hurricanes and shit happen on Earth because... They never explained that. Yeah. It's yeah, they just did. Like, do when? that. They, they said that the probe is like vaporizing the water in order to try and find the no, no, no. what I, it's trying to communicate with. I mean, what's inside the probe? Like, who sent it? Like, are there space whales? That's never really covered. I th- you I know, I don't it, really need the answer. Yeah, I don't though. think I mean, that's really well, no, important. I mean, I, I think it's it, part of the mystery is interesting. Why? Okay, it's like if a humanoid alien species came here, would they be speaking the same language? Maybe they have the same, like, you know, sounds that we make, you know, like, you know, ourselves speaking English, someone else speaking French is like, we can realize that, you know, they're speaking a language, but it's, you may not understand it. I feel like that'd be the same way with the whales, but they're just like space whale, you know, language and earth whale language should be very different, especially over at least 300 years to like change. I think what it is really is an interesting response to the commonly held notion that if aliens were to show up here that they would be interested in humans i think it's an an interesting contradiction that they come and they don't have they don't they're not interested in people at all they want to know what the whales are doing and they kind of just start vaporizing the earth's water supply and turning it into like you know a vapor planet and they don't even really notice what how that's affecting people they're just interested in the whales i think that's yeah, just it's an interesting way to, to propose how aliens would come to Earth. You Save the whales, you greedy fuck. I just don't know how whales would build a giant space probe. Like, well, who says they did? Maybe it's just like a an alien species that is interested in whales, and you never know because they're, they're not going to tell you. And I'm I'm okay with that. I well, like why the was there a little ball on the probe on the front of it? I don't know because the it's model a makers cool design. Cool. Or, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Model makers were like, that will look cool. And they did it. And then the studio was like, okay. And they started up the printing press and made a bunch of money. Why didn't Spock and Kirk get arrested at the Whale Aquarium? Why didn't the Eagles rescue them? That's the question. The Eagles? Yeah, from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh. Okay. How, come, how come the Eagles didn't get them and fly into Mount Doom from the Shire? Oh. I thought it was more like... The Hobbit eagles that just like came in at like the most convenient times to save. Yeah, they they fucking take care of Bilbo, but then they they don't like Frodo so much. Yeah, like fuck off, Frodo. Okay. We only it's rescue pretty, you from trolls that aren't in the book. It's pretty racist. To get us out of this plot hole, we wrote in ourselves into. <laughs> George, the Jedi, they're they're trapped. The the droids with the shields, they can't penetrate with their lightsabers. Are in front of them, shooting really fast. What do we do? Let's run away. Uh, what if they run away really fast? Okay. <laughs> Problem solved. Next scene. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it seemed very strange. Some of the central plot points in this in the second movie because I don't really want to talk about the third one too much. We can go back to if you really want to, but I it's just th- like I don't understand why there are either space whales or like a probe sending out space whale noises, and then like. Is time travel just, like, an accepted thing, apparently? Or is that something in, like, the main series that, like, oh, you just figured out time travel. Just falls, uh, like, slingshotting yourself around the sun. It's not something they do often, but they do it multiple times in the original series. And I think there's even one episode where they time travel, like, by orders of Starfleet to study, like, previous, like, the 1960s Earth or something. That's a- I just don't understand why, then, there wouldn't be more issues with, like you know, other people trying to fuck up the timeline. 
like how they were fucking up the timeline in this movie, kind of. If if you like Star Trek Four, you'll love Star Trek Enterprise because that's the whole fucking. You just series. stepped into a landmine. Okay, but that like okay, then you're like doing this kind of sound, and it's like it. This movie is like beginning to fray that like you know chord of you know some bit of sense. It sounds like, and it's just like then it goes down a path that is they become time cops. I think this movie walks the line in that they're trying to rescue the whales to expressly save earth you know that i think is a little little bit of a smaller goal than the really stupid shit they ended up doing with that idea in star trek enterprise which Mm -hmm. is there are like multiple factions across you know many hundreds of years fighting each other in the past present and future trying to influence each other's outcomes and get more gold Mm. yeah so i can accept the fun movie about saving whales and uh trolling the wife from Seventh Heaven, but is that? Yeah, Seventh Heaven. Uh, the rapist guy was in Star Trek One. The child molester. He was Commander Decker, mm. and then uh, Doctor Jillian, whatever, is his wife in Seventh Heaven. Mm. Okay. Neat. Yeah, you know, fun fact. Not a big deal. I mean, she didn't fuck any kids that we know of, so she seems to be a legitimate human being. That just is interested in whales. Yeah. She works at the Cetacean Institute with George and Gracie. But then, like, they drained the whale pool, and, like, it seemed way too fucking small for two whales. Probably. And then, I guess they transported the whales, but they transported them, like, up to Alaska or something? Yeah. That seems like an awfully big stretch to, like, transport the whales. Like, how did they transport them? Probably in a whale transporter. Okay, there aren't whale transporters, all right? Unless you're fucking Starfleet with a Klingon shipper, apparently. I don't know. I don't really know how they got him up there. Flew him in the Again, helicopter. and then, like, the mustache twirling, you know, whalers show up. Like, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. We're Norwegian. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When they really should have been Japanese, if it was accurate. Well, you would probably have, you know, Russian... Or Japanese whalers up there. I don't know who was whaling at the time. They weren't I don't whaling really on either. the moon. I right. can tell you that much. That's true. That's the best part of Futurama right there. Whalers on the moon. Or whalers on the moon. They carry a harpoon. But there ain't no whale. So we tell tall tales and sing our whaling tune. And then they shoot their harpoon at an invisible Klingon ship. Yep. And never tell anybody about it. Well... And no, who's going to, yeah, but who's going to believe you? You don't think one of those fucks has a camera? Come on. It's, in the 1980s. Yeah, yes, I, in the 1980s. Like a fucking big ass camera. No, to record. like a, a camera camera. But, but you don't bring that shit when you're going on a whaling expedition. Maybe I'm, like, I'm you've really seen, <laughs> you've seen, what is that show? With the crabs and whatnot on the Bering Sea. It's dangerous out there, man. You don't have time to have a fucking GoPro. What you just head. call it? Living with the crabs. <laughs> no, it's some. Crab show on Deadly, like Deadliest Catch. Deadliest Catch, yeah. yeah. No, I've seen the show. No. I didn't say li- Living with the Crabs. I think that's what, no. oh, what, did you, what did you say? I was something about crabs. I don't I know. You said Living with the Crabs. I was like, what? 
Yeah, it's a show about SpongeBob's uh, boss or whatever, living at the crabs, him and his whale daughter. Maybe, yeah. Oh, there you go. See? There you go. Full circle. But you're right. I think that's a good example because that's how a whaling ship would probably be. Like, you know, those those quarters they have in Deadliest Catch are like fucking tiny bunk beds and stuff, and everybody's like squeezing past each other. There's really not much room on that ship for anything but storing fish and catching yeah. fish. Yeah. I think it'd be the same way with a, a whale, a whaling ship. They just you gotta have a lot of space to store like the whale bits or whatever that you cut up. <laughs> the whale bits sh- sounds like a fucking appetizer or something. It probably is in Japan. Oh. they Norway lightly breaded and fried. One other country are, are the only three I think that actively defy the whaling ban. Iceland maybe. Japan. Norway. And... Yeah, I only know Japan because I know like they're the ones who just most flagrantly say no. We're we're still gonna whale. It's like oh, we need to kill a bunch for science. It's like Yay. what the fuck do you need to kill them for science for? Delicious science, Delicious. gastronomy. Is it really? Is that what they say? Uh, apparently, it's tasty. I don't know. Never had it. Well, I know that's what they are using a lot of it for, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Who cares? The point is, George and Gracie get in beam to the ship. After Dr. McCoy and Scotty change history for fun. There, also, there'll be whales on board. <laughs> transparent aluminum. How do we know he didn't invent it? So, uh, I don't know. Let's check a history book or something. Like, who invented transparent aluminum? They just do, like, the will and jazz. And sh- <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was this guy. They so, don't care. <laughs> I guess also, like, I thought there were issues with, like, transporting, like, with one beam, two people or something, because they couldn't, you know, take no. Chekhov. No, they couldn't take Chekhov out at the same time as they took um, Uhura. Uhura out because they were low on power. Because uh, their their crystals were all fucked up. That's why they broke into the USS Enterprise, the sea ship, to get the magic radiation. And they could okay. only, and there was interference from the nuclear reactor on the the ship. Okay, I was just like confused when uh, what's her face from Seventh Heaven like jumped on Kirk. It's like, ha ha. You're taking me to the 23rd century, you son of a bitch. Well, that's because of who were brought back the magic radiation. Oh, uh-huh. okay. And then they... I, thought, I honestly thought, like, you know, they'd, like, pop in the transporter room and it'd be, like, some fucked up, you know... <laughs> some mutant, like... Yeah, just, like, a pile of meat with, like, two faces screaming, kill me. Uh! <laughs> <laughs> Spock has to come out with a shotgun. And... <laughs> <laughs> <was> oh! <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, but I actually find a lot of the time travel conceits in this movie to be actually pretty plausible. Like, her traveling to the 23rd century because, you know, nobody's going to miss her, really. I believe that because there's billions of people that don't matter on this planet. So, oh, yeah. You know, any, but any one of them could disappear. And it I mean, no, there's, like, it, missing yeah. persons all the time that just right. happen or whatever. Ooh. <laughs> right. What are you saying? Saying you have a ghost problem, there are some weird noises going on. And like all the stuff that happens in the movie, like, you know, the harpoon hitting the ship and those guys like being freaked out, you know, even if they told people, like, really, it's just like another UFO encounter story. Like, who's going to believe that? The doctors saying that they invaded the operating room with a laser gun and like you put the thing on his head. Like, they're just going to think those guys are crazy. He grew me a new kidney. Yeah, they got the old lady. That's their evidence right there. No, but that, like, they don't have any evidence. Like, the old lady's word is all they have. Like, and the new fucking kidney. This magic doctor came and gave me a pill and then my kidney got better. It's like, no, no, grandma. You know, it's actually our massive amounts of chemo and whatever else we pumped. What is that pill, by the way? Why, what is Dr. McCoy cares around kidney pills? Like, yeah. He has a little doctor bag, and it's like it's like here you, know, you go. 
It's little <laughs> seeds for people organs. Oh, there you go. You never know. They uh, they never really detail like what kinds of medicines they're using, like and what they're for in a lot of episodes of Star Trek. Yeah, I think that's why they, they just, just they like, just have a lot of cures for things. Un- yeah, they just like put the thing on Chekhov's head. Is like you're better now. Trichordrazine. That's the one that they use a shit ton in Next Generation, and it's for like they use it for like a bunch of shit. Yeah, I don't know. They explain a lot more stuff on Next Generation than they probably should have. Yeah. Yeah. Fans wrote in after the first season and said they wanted more explanations about how the technology worked. Great. So the writers spent time making up techno babble. Great. That's how you reverse the polarity in the deflector dish to compensate for the anodyne relay oscillation and make Captain Picard's tea hot. I like Great. all that stuff. <laughs> I really enjoy all that stuff. I'm glad they did it. I hate it when there's not an explanation that somehow that could sound at least scientifically plausible. That just sounds like the CSI like explanations yeah. though to me. Like maybe I need like it in context or something, but like that honestly sounds like oh man. But it's like, really different than CSI because CSI is fictionalizing technology, you know, contemporary technology. Like you can do a lot of cool things with DNA analysis, but all the things they do, they just take it to an unbelievable level. Like this is technology that does not and has never existed so you can pretty much have a blank slate I, by the way i want to jump in and say that csi has ruined the criminal defense profession to a degree why because every jury thinks that dna is like infallible because now anytime you get a, a csi investigator on the stand everybody thinks it's the the fat guy from csi whatever his name is not gomi that was uh, gus grissom yeah so they think that he must be the right hand of God. Or no, 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 not Gus Grissom, what, Gil Grissom. Whatever, whatever the yeah. fuck his name is. Gus Grissom is an astronaut. <laughs> All right, whatever this, the <laughs> asshole's name is, the Horatio, whatever. It, oh, well. It, it all works. DNA is infallible. This guy said it was probably him, so CSI is never wrong. Probably shouldn't tell the state of Ohio this, because I don't want to serve on a jury particularly very much in a like criminal case mm-hmm. but yeah i don't really know who that is or i guess so okay well if anybody from the ohio state uh you know supreme court is listening or uh justin don't put him on a jury he hates all short people who are black i don't know uh i mean you could just go get one of those like nsm 1488 you could just talk about jury nullification and that'll get me off a bunch of juries get Get your white power shirt on and wear it to the, the court. Yeah, yeah. And sit too. sit there during Wadir and just, you know, yeah, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> Shave my head beforehand. Right. What kind of defendant we got? Well, what's what's this boy done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get off the jury real quick for that. <laughs> I hate them all. Yeah, I just would have to, like, you know, make sure walking to my car, like... You put a jacket on over it when you get back outside. You take the shirt off after you walk out. <laughs> I'd probably look better shirtless walking out of a courtroom or a You'd probably fit in. Courthouse. Yeah. <laughs> you could just get a shirt that says, like, tendies on it or something and just respond to everything by going, Wee! and see how long they entertain that before they arrest you for contempt. Okay. I'm just saying. These are all things you can do, people, instead of sitting on a jury. Good boy points. Good, Yeah, good boy points. The jury... Can't take those away from you. Okay. Hey, you know what? That's what Kirk gets paid in because there's no money in Star Trek, so he gets good boy points sent to him every I month. I thought like credits or something. Uh, that's a really it, kind of a dispute. It's in the original series. 
sometimes they talk about things like, oh, you've earned your pay for the week or something like that, but they never really explicitly use money. They just talk about it a few times. In the next generation, it's pretty, it's pretty clear they don't have money. They make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. They don't use money. It's like a... There's an it's a no scarcity society because of like replicators and stuff. But the Federation has some kind of they trade. That doesn't make any sense though. They do cause... trade for like goods that are exhaustible, like they do trade things. There's still scarcity though in someone's time. Like a person's time, even in the next generation, is, you know, not an infinite resource. So like if you are you are trading your services in time, whatnot. You should be getting some sort of. Uh, it's confusing yeah, because in that. next you, generation, it's like there's no money, and then maybe there is money, but maybe Starfleet doesn't use it, and then in Deep Space Nine, there's definitely money, but there's also like a basic level stuff given to you for free. Well, like a well, basic and, income makes like, sense, but right, and then beyond that, you can still make money, but it's never explicitly explained how that exactly applies, but. Probably Starfleet officers don't get paid because Starfleet just gives you everything. It's not really ever explained. So, Justin, when when you watch The Next Generation, I think that's like the core philosophy where it's established that in the future they don't have money and they don't really value time in the same way that like we all do now because apparently everybody just has a notion that they want to work for the greater good and the challenge in the 24th century is to not like better yourself monetarily or something but to just better yourself in terms of like self-development and like knowledge Hmm. so that's what they're going for and clark's right in deep space nine they do have money but i take that i always took that as because deep space nine takes place like on the frontier between it's like way way out in the edge of the federation and like other societies in the galaxy do use currency so and that's kind of like a way station for a oh, lot I, of them. i mean on earth because ben cisco's dad talks about money and prices on his menu at his gumbo restaurant I'm just assuming that, like, he imports shit, like, from some exotic place because I know, we know that they do use some kind of trade for stuff that they can't get. Like, the Federation trades with a lot of people, but they they usually don't exchange it for money. They usually just trade, like, it's a barter system in the 24th century. Like, you know, know, we're going to get, like, when they're trading with that, that guy that kidnaps Data. Yeah. Like, he gives them shit. They give him shit. It's not like there's no money involved. So it, yeah, it's it's kind it's, of there's, nebulous. It's confl- it there's conflicting answers, yeah. but all that is by way of saying that's why they're confused when they sell Captain Kirk's antique glasses to the creepy guy, right? Because they really don't have any sense of like what value is stored in the money. Because right, they get the money yeah. back and then they count it up and they're trying to divide it and it's like, oh, I think twenty bucks will be enough, but I have no idea what twenty dollars is actually what it you know. What dollars are? It's $20, man. I know. It's $20. Yeah, what is he like? Don't like spend it all in one place or something? Yeah, don't yeah, yeah. splurge? Or... Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll take you a little bit further than it does today. But... Right. I mean, again, though, I mean, even Star Trek Generations, you got Captain Kirk and Captain Picard talking in the time warp, and Captain Kirk's talking about selling his house. So it's all like nobody, there's no money, but there is money. And ah, whoa. So anyway, they're confused by the concept of money. Which is why they can't figure out what exact change for the bus fare means. Because right. they're like, oh, I guess we need 50 cents. They should have just killed a hobo and taken his change cup. But I think it's a really good plot yeah. device, though, because it's just like the perfect fish out of water story. 
That's it's. I mean, it's a really easy way to establish that these guys are just completely out of their element. That was a great pun, yeah. by the way. Wow, calling whales fish. I didn't even realize it until Fucking I said specious. it. Species. Yeah. Wow. Whales are mammals. We'll say that for everybody. Yeah, I learned that at the Cetacean Institute, Cetacean Institute of Sausalito. Whales are mammals. They have live births, and Captain Kirk's obviously trying to get laid. Like it's so terrible. He's like Evan Stone, the porn actor. It's so terrible. Man is. Just Destroyed the environment, and she's like, "Yes, it is." She's like, mm, despicable. And you can tell he's trying to lay the groundwork to fuck her, but Spock's on the real mission to talk to the whales. I think. Well, of course, Kirk was trying to get with her, yeah, but, of but on, on the secondary <laughs> level, I took it as too that they they are genuinely surprised. Like they're supposed to be the stand-in for what they hope is an intelligent audience, saying like, "Oh, I can't believe that we are doing this." Whatever, it happened. I'm just saying, they're real serious about getting the whales, but then this Dr. Nichols guy, whatever, he invented transparent aluminum. Because that's a pretty harmless thing to do, though. Is it? Is it really? Because then that guy now invents a life-world-changing substance that... Yeah, I know. I I knew this was going to come up, but... It's like, that's the one (laughs) thing in the movie with, like, how they affect the timeline or whatever that's just, like... Did you really just do that? <laughs> this guy could be the richest fucking dude in history, and as you're just handing it to him, he could be some kind of depraved sex predator who's going to murder a bunch of children. But, you know, they really didn't have a choice, did they? Besides going in there and, like, holding all of them hostage and, that like, make, even, like, make the fucking aluminum. <laughs> that would have been even better. Have Dr. McCoy holding them at gunpoint and Scotty's typing in the computer, and they finish the aluminum order and just leave. Just have Sulu with his phaser be like, like, hold there, please. Or they just start a fire and lock the doors and stick like a fire axe through the door handle. <laughs> no witnesses. That doesn't sound like Starfleet. I think I would run Starfleet a little differently. We'd, we'd get shit done. Pretty sure you would not be in there for long. No, I'd be like Admiral Robocop. I'd get to the top. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he went down pretty hard. <laughs> Just like every other nefarious Starfleet admiral that tries to pull some sketchy shit. Yeah, Justin. You know the one thing I did like about this, though? All right. There were other things I liked, but there's one thing I liked about this. It it handled the multiple storylines to try and, you know, everyone spreading out, doing their objectives, and then, like, you know, converging back to, you know, save the whales. Like three subplots that all contribute to one larger plot? Yeah, did you like the part where Chekhov's asking about the nuclear vessels? I don't know if, like, the cop just thought he was, like, a nut or if he couldn't understand him. The cop was not in on the joke. That was filmed from, like, 100 yards away. Yeah. Oh. And shotgun mic'd by somebody that they had, like, standing nearby. Russian spy. So the, they were just out there trolling the cops, hoping they wouldn't recognize Walter Koenig. <laughs> just like some Russian-sounding guy asking about, where's the naval base? Where do you keep your nuclear vessels at? That's why, that's why the cops look at him like, are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. Cool. I agree yeah. with Justin, though. That is a good thing about this movie, that it's a really good example of a movie that gives somebody every you know something to do. Everybody has something to do in this. They don't just, like in the new Star Trek movies, where Uhura does nothing but like you know hang on Spock's nuts. Well, like... And, I s- like one of the reasons why I like, you know, Game of Thrones is like, you know, you have all these characters doing something that sort of contribute to the overall plot. It may not necessarily be connected directly in that book, but it's still, oh, someone's doing it on this side of the world, someone's doing it on this side of the world, and it's sort of, you know, 
contributes to the plot moving along. And that's why it's cool when they come together. Rather just points. like a piss off character who does nothing, just jerks off in the corner. Yeah, Chekhov got a nice uh, highlight in this movie. He got a lot more action than he normally would. Yeah, he got brain damage. Yeah. But it's all good. Well, I thought he was brain damaged beforehand, but... Right. He got the... <laughs> He got the little, like, sticky thing put on his forehead. So I like the naval intelligence guys. Like, this guy Rusky? I don't know. He's a retard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, like, you know, he, like, tries to use his face. They're like, ha, ha, gotcha. Okay, put down okay. the ray gun. Shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, let me just leave this phaser with these naval intelligence guys. I mean, yeah, they won't be able to, you know. What could go wrong? Take a look at that after I leave and figure out what the fuck's wrong with it and... Again, advance their civilization, you know, 50, 60 years just from looking at future technology. Although I do think we have transparent aluminum now in real life, so. Do we? Really? Yeah, I think so. Oh. If we do, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying. Listen, Justin, the Klingons killed his son, so he needs to, he's triggered. Kurt, William Shatner says that that was his finest moment oh, as Kirk. God. What? When he like goes like Klingon bastards, you killed my son, and like falls down on the chair and stuff, and the mm, really okay, that's interesting. By that's interesting, his, I mean you know his self graded paper though. Obviously, you always give yourself like a ninety five. Star Trek three, I I like it for a lot of reasons, change, but I I admit that it has flaws. It has did they change flaws. the costumes from two to three? Like I don't know. I thought it stood out to me for some reason, yes. but. Okay, which the is costumes, very... they all kind of change throughout all the movies for whatever reason. It Some just of them seemed are... very strange because those seemed like they were very much like five minutes back. later yeah. type thing rather than, yeah. oh, a year or two later. But, okay. Did you like the whatever his name is? I can't remember. I call him Swagger Stick Guy. The guy who's the captain oh, of the Excelsior. Uh, yeah. The... Oh, that tried to chase him for like two minutes and it's like, oh. Yeah, the guy who gets trolled hard. Yeah. So, so I'll do never sit in the chair again, Kirk. I'm going to come get you. And Justin, I will agree with you that the only set in this that I really think does look, if you look really hard, it looks pretty fake, is the Excelsior Bridge. No, it, it was... It does look fucking... It was a yeah. set that was on Genesis where they were like... I think it was the, like, subtropic zone with snow or something like that. It was like... <laughs> Cactuses and snow, yes. and the background just looked completely flat. <laughs> you see the guys throwing the snow from off the set, practically. Yeah. Well, of course it's a fucking matte <laughs> painting. I mean, like. But I mean, there are matte paintings that like look decent sometimes, but that one just looked like total shit. They just like come in off the side of the stage, like into the shot, and just like, oh hello, there's snow. Oh my god. Hey, there's like kid Spock over there. What's up? I don't think it looks too bad because it's partially obscured by the fog and the snow. I think it looks great if you're watching it in the theater in the 80s, but if you're watching it in like an HD transfer now, it probably doesn't look so great because you can you can see well, the detail. You have, so you have to judge it by the standards of the time during which it was released. You can't say, oh, it didn't age well, so it, you know. I'm not saying that. It didn't yeah. survive the conversion to HD well, I guess. is Justin, you're being a modernist right now. I know I am. You're trying to project modern I've values. I've triggered um, That's right. whoever the director was of this movie. I'm sorry. Leonard Nimoy. Leonard, wait, he did he, Return to Sp- he, he did. He did both of them. Oh, okay. Return well, of the Spock. Yeah. Return and of the Spock. The unintended consequence <laughs> of him directing two movies was William Shatner getting to direct the because, fifth movie. Because of a fun contracts thing. 
because there's something called a favored nations clause, Justin. I'm explaining this to you because you look very interested in it. (coughs) (laughs) Turn your head and cough, right? I I turn my head away from the mic to breathe. (laughs) But favored nations means that whatever I get, you get. So it's like we get paid the same money. And if Leonard Nimoy gets the option to direct a film, then contractually, as an enforceable by law, William Shatner gets the opportunity to direct a film. Was it just between those two that, like, they... Yep, the two big guys in the series, they had a favored nations clause at Paramount. So whatever one gets, the other gets. So they had the chance to write and direct. And William Shatner elected to do it at once in Star Trek V, which we'll get to next week. You'll be able to enjoy Captain Kirk coming to face-to-face with God and fighting him. Okay. It's not as... If you don't know it's written by William Shatner when you get to the credits and it's like written by William Shatner and whoever the monkey who polished it up was directed by William Shatner. It's like, oh, okay, all right. That makes sense. That's why Kirk is able to stare down God and tell him what's up. (laughs) But I will... The the big problem to me with Star Trek Three is that it, it, again, seems like it's one of those big, long episode movies yeah, it doesn't like the plot is just like the way well, it gets going is so weird. I was just thinking when I was watching this movie, it's... I'm going to do something really perilous, by the way, and attempt to show you transparent aluminum. Okay, uh, that's really cool. Is that like commercially available, or is it in a lab? Uh, it's marketed as the ultimate bulletproof window solution. So I will bet you that that shit that's in uh, Obama's Beast limousine is not actually glass. It's probably really thick transparent aluminum. So do they sell that to consumers? I don't see why you couldn't get it. I'm going to have that put in my house because it's cool. But Anyway, <laughs> um, no, I was thinking when I was watching this episode, or not episode, this movie, um, that it felt like what I thought Star Trek was as far as, like, there's, like, you know, smoky sets and, like, weird, you know... Vulcans and whatnot standing around in a circle type thing, just spouting more or less nonsense type stuff about logic and whatnot. This and is, I'm like, yeah. okay, I can see why if people someone saw this movie, they would be turned off to Star Trek and think it's just a nerd circle jerk. This movie is a lot heavier on the mythology than Star Trek Two. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look, if you put aside the fact that you have to know who Khan is in the second movie, but other than that, yeah, it's really a lot of a blank slate. But this movie, I always feel like it just like it takes so long to get started, and like the the real meat of the movie happens when it's almost over. Like the real thing is that they travel to the Genesis planet and they get in the fight with the Klingons. Yeah, that seems like the big conflict of the movie and it takes place like way far ahead of like where a conflict usually starts and develops in a movie so it just feels weird maybe that's because i don't know we've all just seen so many movies and maybe i'm trained to think a movie should be like that but it just feels off yeah i agree you spend the first 90% of the movie well it's kind of like my problem with star trek one except this one has a little bit more going on in the first part you spend like, oh, Spock's dead. Maybe he's not. Mm, all right, okay. And Dr. McCoy's crazy. Eh, let's rescue Spock. Let's go check out the Genesis planet. Let's see what's going on. Right. They established really early on that there's some kind of like mystery going on where like McCoy's like going nuts and stuff. And then they kind of just like let it hang for like 45 minutes almost. Yeah. And then it's time to steal the Enterprise and go really fast. Yeah. 
But the cool, the really cool things about this movie that I just really, really like are, I think the effects are really good. I really like the like the redesigned space dock thing compared to the first two movies where it's just like the frame that the ship's in and they give you like a fucking huge space station this time that is really cool. Yeah, comes back to bite you in the ass in 2016 though. It doesn't look so good on Blu-ray or No, I mean the new Star Trek movie. Got to have Oh a, yeah, have a bigger space station. Yeah, yeah well we established that that was station. fucking retarded. But see this one it makes sense when you look at it. It makes sense that they would have like the this big ring at the top where the ships can come in and yeah, and they use and, that same right. model on Next Generation many times because right, that's like the Starbase blueprint. Yeah, and I think this is. I mean, they created a completely new ship for this movie, the Klingon Bird of Prey, which I think is like the most used model in Star Trek. It wasn't the Excelsior created for this movie too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. they created uh, the Excelsior, which was supposed to be like the interpretation of the enterprise if the japanese had designed it in the 80s which i a product of its time admittedly because everybody was like afraid the japanese are going to take over the economy and stuff but i think it turned out really cool looking <laughs> like the excelsior is a cool looking ship Japan. and i like the klingon bird of prey like i definitely think it's a cooler ship than what they did with the uh, battle cruiser in star trek the motion picture and they kind of gave the, you know, the Klingons are cool in this movie. They gave them like a cool, like yeah. Doc Brown Doc is a Brown. good Klingon. Did you recognize that that was Doc Brown? No. Did not. Yeah. Cruz is Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Which one was he? Was he the one that was like, got he captured? Was, and he was like, the guy in charge. Son of a bitch, you should have killed me. Yeah. He was the head Klingon that Kirk kicked into the pit at the ends. I've had enough of you. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that effect was shit. <laughs> Okay, what? I will. I agree with you on that because it, it's always looked like shit. That one where he's like falling, like Rrr! just lay on your back and move your arms and legs right. on this blue screen. It, it looked like shit in 1984 too. Oh, like it doesn't matter how grainy the screen was. Yeah, I. But I, hey, you yeah. know what? Just a few years later, you had Hans Gruber's fall on Die Hard that looks great. Yeah. So things, yeah, you know. Time marches But on. he also wasn't falling into like a river of lava, so... Yeah, but it was still blue screen at the top, and so was... Uh, oh, of course, the, the Ronnie Cox gets ejected from the RoboCop headquarters. Fall is um, not great. Right. Yeah. But I think the way it worked in Die Hard was that they had the focus on uh, the actor, and yeah. so the rest of it was blurry, so they could kind of get away with that, and it looked real, whereas, like, the you know, it's just clearly they took a shot of lava... A lava flow, and this guy's... <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> but the I like where they steal the Enterprise. That's probably the coolest bit in the movie. That's pretty neat. Everybody likes that. And then when they blow up the Enterprise, that's a really cool effect. But this is the movie where the, the meme starts that Captain Kirk is... He he puts on the Bane mask, and when Starfleet Command tries to tell him to do something, he says, like, do you feel in charge? And then does what he wants. Yeah. Because then people kind of, like, look backwards through the rest of the Captain Kirk shit and go, oh, he's always been a renegade. That's right. Captain Kirk. He's Picard's buttoned down and drinks tea and follows his orders like a little robot. And Captain Kirk just punches people and shoots them and fucks the women. But he, I think this was a good thing for this movie because it was definitely upping the quotient of how he disobeys orders. Oh, yeah, or, I think it's cool. Like, 
He's like skirted the rules a couple times in the past, but he's never outright disobeyed and like stole a starship and and again, you know, though, he pays for it. This but. sets an imp- oh yeah, he really pays for it. This sets an important precedent that if you disobey your orders, Starfleet just goes, "We're going to punish you by giving you exactly what you want." <laughs> Don't you do it again? But there were extenuating circumstances. <laughs> they fucking saved the planet. So, I mean, like, you know, you've got to take that into account as a mitigating circumstance. And really, yeah. but look, if Star Trek 4 hadn't happened, they come back, they would have gotten court-martialed, Kirk would have been drummed out of Starfleet, probably. No, I don't think so. I think that's, I think that's what would have happened. I think he saved up so, much, so many credits, he's buried so many, you there's, know. There's no money. Good boy points. No fucking money. He saved so many good boy points. He <laughs> he helped so many admirals get rid of Orion's slave girl hookers and bury the bodies on desert planets. Nope. They'll be serving in a freighter fleet or something. Yeah, like Colonel Ty. That's right. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica. It's a good show. Okay. Ooh. I'm not talking about the one from the 70s where they stopped by. Different. I know you said the new one was yeah, good, but not, not the one where they stopped to play basketball with friendly aliens for some reason. Don't hey. don't, don't don't watch the old one. Don't do it. I actually don't hey. really care. Also, that Kirk's son got killed because he, like he's just kind of a useless. I think it's hilarious. His son got killed because he just shows up in the second movie and it's like, "This is your son." He's like, "Oh, okay." Did he know he had a son? I don't think so. No. Why didn't you tell me I had a son? It seems like a very strange thing, just like, you know, a son pops in like 17 years, like after a hookup, and it's like, oh, I have a son on a mission. Like, not like, oh my God, um, we need to talk about this like, or something. Yeah, like, a two minute conversation while Chekhov's laying on the ground while his holding the bandage to his ear, and it's, why didn't you tell me I had a son? Because uh, you would have wanted to go and do Starfleet stuff. Okay, guess you're right. Anyway. Yeah, what's, what's this Genesis device? It's really weird. I don't know. The whole sun thing didn't seem like it was... In the second movie, it works. And that's why it got taken out. It's used a pair of scissors and... Yeah. In the second movie, it really works because I think that it's... It's like concrete evidence that, you know, Kirk thinks his life is over because he's turning 50. And it's like, well, there's actually really a lot more for him to do. And, you know, he has a son and that's part of that. But in this movie, in Star Trek Three. I don't know, his son just doesn't do shit but walk around with a fucking tricorder and just, like, say, like, ooh, look at all the desert stuff and all that. Like, it's amazing. And then, like, he cops to, like, he fucked up, like, the science on this, or fudged the science so that, you know, they could make the planet and it's actually unstable. And it's like, oh, yeah, it turns out I'm a rule breaker just like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> no good boy points for Right, you. and so he pays for it. So <laughs> he he gets stabbed by a Klingon and makes a fucking gurgly noise. <laughs> I say he gets brutally murdered. Don't, so don't fake did, your science on work, kids. Why didn't Spock continue to age rapidly once they took him off the planet? Because he's off the planet. They laminated him, and he's okay. He's going to grow back to the exact age, right down to his shaving cuts that he was when he died. That's what Savick says. She says we've got to get him off this planet because, like, everything, like, the planet's aging too. So, like, the process that's going on is is being generated by. But like, like he's the a product of the planet, so I didn't see why. He not was... really, though. He's not a product of the planet. He was placed on the planet after it was already formed. Yeah, and I thought that was like part of the way he got like resurrected. 
Yeah, but yes. he wasn't planet, like, he wasn't wholly him. made by the planet. He was just like regenerated by the planet. So if logically then if he gets moved off the planet, the regeneration effect ceases. Uh, you're gonna see when we get to Star Trek Insurrection, you're gonna learn all about regenerative medicine. Mm. You'll want to go. You'll want to watch this movie after you watch Insurrection. Trust me. <laughs> you'll you'll say this movie was great. After you'll have you fine that. memories of David and Savick walking around. This is a palm tree. This is a cactus. There's sand here. Look, sand. I hate sand. Gets everywhere. Gets everywhere. Yeah. It's coarse. It's rough. Also, a really funny part of this Can movie: you, the, the pussy captain of the Grissom. They get destroyed. That's funny. I love that. <laughs> and the all, fucking Klingon gunner gets killed because he, all he fucked die. up. All yeah. pussies die in Star Trek. Yeah. At least in the movies. In the series, they get rewarded and pat on the head. But I like how they, they get rid of his son and they basically recycle his son as a plot point in one of the later movies, which it works in the later movie too, be, and partly because his son's not there. <laughs> Whatever. It was a dumb idea to give Kirk a kid anyway and they had to kill him to get rid of him <clears throat> I mean you gotta admit it's kind of funny in Star Trek 2 when he's like he beats the shit out of his son before he knows he's his son <laughs> wasn't he ready to kill him he was like fists up just like you know like I'm gonna knock you down son <laughs> Kirk should have killed his own son that would have been a better plot point yeah, Federation bastards. I killed my son. He could fall backwards. <laughs> uh. It was genius. I walked backwards, and I noticed there was a step behind me, so I just fell down. But that whole that whole sequence from the point where they kill his son to him tricking the Klingons and blowing up the ship, that's fucking awesome. I love that. Oh, blowing up the ship and killing the yeah. Klingons is hilarious. Like, and he's just like, get out of there! Get out! <laughs> <laughs> The Klingons are so fucking stupid. They're like, oh, yeah, the computer's talking. Here it is. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's counting down. What does yeah. that mean? Oh. Yeah. The, and the effect of the ship blowing up is really cool. They did that pretty well. I'm surprised that nobody survived the impact of the ship and then came back and wanted revenge. Star Trek Four, JJ Trek Four coming out. So, like, a crew member lost in, like, the previous three times the ship was destroyed. Then <laughs> he yeah. comes back. He wants revenge. He's got, like, Dr. Octopus tentacles or something. And I modified myself using technology from the leftover ship. You didn't give me any chicken tendies, Kirk. Just a thought. Maybe J.J. Trek 4 will be about, like, saving some sort of, you know... What what's important this time? Like going to like Syria and it's like gonna be the climate. It's gonna oh be yeah, stopping the climate. climate change. Okay. We begin our movie with Spock trying to windsurf on a planet, but the ocean's too high. Hmm. Yep. Sponsored by America's natural gas companies, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, natural gas is clean burning though. Cleaner. Yeah, we like natural gas. Yeah, it's not it's not totally clean. But clean coal—that's real thing. Yeah, right? clean coal's clean. Fuck that I shit. I don't care what you. And Anybody your... who's listening to this, clean coal is a bunch of crock of shit. It's like it. The technology works, but it's fucking too expensive to ever be deployed. But what if they reverse the polarity in the deflector dish with the anodyne relay and the starboard ETS? Of course, sadly, yeah, of course. I of wish. Course. I wish it was that simple in real life. Of course. 
or the, the clean coal compensator. There we go. Yeah, the clean coal compensator. The, the CO2 compensator. We deployed the CO2 yeah. compensator, Captain. It works just fine. You know, they probably could trick government regulators with that, though. It's a CO2 compensator. It works. It's just like a screen filter on the top. It doesn't actually do anything. Yeah, yeah like the Heisenberg compensator for the transporter. Just write it in the scripts. <laughs> Call their, their science consultant calls them, hey, you guys have a big problem with how this transporter thing works. There's this Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Oh, hold on. How do you spell Heisenberg? <laughs> okay. Compensator. All right. Thanks. Hang up the phone. Back type in the script. Bing, bang, boom. So, Justin, how did you like the, the really artistic time travel sequence? Oh, when they went, <laughs> I fucking love that. Thing. When they went back in time. <laughs> And like their faces are melting. Into Remember the- <laughs> I told you? Remember I told you a long time ago when we talked about time travel on the show that you throw a dummy in a lake or a mannequin in a lake and that represents time travel. It's a fire travel. lake. It's like there's <laughs> fire coming. Oh. It represents time travel. Just looks like they had like two grips just chuck a mannequin into a, a pool of water they had in the studio. It was strange. And like they have the CGI like uh faces yeah. like melting into like the, the pool. CGI seemed like, like it was that CGI from Star Trek one they used when they were like doing the two thousand one sequence. It's probably the same stuff. They used no CGI in Star Trek one. Wow. Didn't look very good. In <laughs> fact, the first CGI sequence in a movie was in Star Trek two. The little Genesis video they watch. It's made by the Pixar dudes. Neat. Yeah. Before they were at Pixar. Yay. They, they were at Lucasfilm still. ILM. Yeah. Exactly. ILM. I was thinking Lucasfilm. No, it was like Lucasfilm Computer Division or something, and like he sold that to pay off debts or something to Steve Jobs. or. Oh, yes, yeah. and then he realized that right. was a bad idea and started ILM later himself. Yeah. Well, they no, I think it was a separate thing. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, well, ILM uses computers now anyway. They don't, yeah, they they don't do models yeah, anymore. Did you notice that Captain Kirk was the first one to wake up from the time travel? Sure, Shatner insisted uh, Yeah, I'm that. sure that was in his contract. Yeah. Once they got the script, his attorney probably sent a writer back in the contract, like, all right, but Bill has to be the first one to wake up and better That's be important. in the final cut. Yeah. Audiences have to know he woke up first. <laughs> if you don't have that in there, Leonard, we're going to come and sue the shit out of you. Yeah. Hmm. Seems hey. like a lot of drama. They're a fucking what's I forget it's which band, band it is, but they make them sort out all like the red M and M's or something. Well, no, that actually makes sense. I'm okay with that. Well, no, okay, seriously, like if you're a band working with like pyrotechnics and like you need like shit to be you know up to a certain standard, like you need it to be you know 16 inches above something so like it doesn't catch on fire. You need a bowl of okay, only that, that red. M&Ms. So like you make sure someone read the whole fucking contract saying I need a red, bowl of red M and M's or one without the red M and M's or something like that. So you know everything else is hopefully up to code. But what if you're a multi-millionaire actor who's had an iconic role in American television, and you have to prove that in a fictional setting you are the manliest man on the ship? Well then, that sounds like it's more important than not burning yourself with pyrotechnics. Oh to yeah. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm okay. Yeah, the stuff you've told okay. me about Shatner's gun. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something sizzling. Yep. But um, the stuff you told me about the contracts, Shatner said, like, yeah, that seems like a lot of bullshit. Yeah. But the stuff with the only thing I'm saying with red M and M's in the bowl that makes sense. I think it's more important that you prove you're a manly man in a fictional setting 
Even okay. though he really didn't have to because his career was at its like absolute peak during yeah. the 80s. Yeah. He had like another fucking hit TV show. He was in he was in movies and Yep. Yeah. He was the Travelocity guy or something. He still is the Priceline guy. Priceline. Yeah. Yeah, Priceline negotiator. Okay. But in the 80s he was the title character in TJ Hooker. Yeah. Cop show. Sergeant Hooker. Yeah. Who shot people. He was a Vietnam veteran who didn't like this new fag-friendly PC police force. Heroin addicts, shoot them. That's what TJ Hooker says. And he jumps across cars that are moving. He slides on the hood. Mm-hmm. Cool. Not really. It's a pretty bad TV show. <laughs> so the, big, the big thing that people like to talk about with 80s Shatner is how like he supposedly wore a girdle for like all of the... I have Star Trek no doubt. Movies. No doubt. Just to keep the old gut in. Oh yeah, you gotta yeah. do that. Suck and I'm absolutely sure he was wearing one by Star Trek five and six, but that's that's debatable in the first three movies. I think in his book he says that for Star Trek four, he went on like some kind of two month juice cleanse diet and walked around the Hollywood Hills all day. So basically, he went on like a massive crash diet and lost like thirty pounds. I believe it. He, I mean, yeah. he looks pretty like trim in yeah. Star Trek Four, but then he he hefts back up to Star Trek Six. Star Trek, yeah, he's bulking in Star Trek Five, and he's yeah. at his competition weight. He's a, yeah, he's he's midway through his bulking cycle in Star Trek Five, and he's he's eating the weight gainer, the mass gainer one thousand. Also, did you notice that Captain Kirk is the only one who can hold his breath long enough to swim through the flooded Klingon ship? Not Spock, not Vulcans, who are established many times to have superhuman strength and endurance. Spock but was already hopping out. I know, but Spock could have swam back in there, but Kirk alone is strong enough to do this. Not to mention, like, where they landed. That was, like, supposed to be, like, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That water is supposedly really cold. Yeah. I always heard, like, oh, Alcatraz was on an island. People can't swim because they'll fucking die. Like, Yeah. So everyone just is, like... It's because the spaceship was really hot from coming through the atmosphere, so it warmed up the water around it. Probably, yeah. <laughs> or they weren't actually in the water for that long. Like you know, the end of that scene, there's a shuttle coming to pick them up. Yeah, so. oh, true. Yeah. But they, there's no way they fucking filmed that. And no, it was it was in a tank on a set in Los Angeles. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Okay. But Starfleet headquarters is in San Francisco, so yeah, that's of course they would try try to crash there. I guess. That's where Sulu was born. That's right. You were watching the movie. <laughs> San Francisco. I was born there. Were you? Great. That's a nice story. Oh, my. Sulu. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you look up your great, 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 great grandfather and get us some free You know shit. who his great, 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 great grandfather probably is? The guy in that Twilight Zone episode played by George Takai, who, like, have you seen that one where his, like, he and the, the World War II vet their minds get taken over by like the objects from the oh, war yeah. and they start fighting each other. And the end of the episode, he jumps out the window committing suicide. I thought you were going to say his grandfather was the guy who comes out of the yellow pages building. <laughs> oh, yeah. like the lady shouting at yeah, the kids. The, yeah. The Asian people yeah. arguing. <laughs> How many product placements were there in this movie? Uh, yellow pages. Michelob. Michelob. That's mm. right. Uh, yes, I'll have a large. Was there Pepsi? Pizza was there Pepsi? Yes. Yes, there. <laughs> there was Pepsi. There's in the the rest of the pizza place to go to. Mm. There's like a you can see the. I don't know what you call it the soda fill station in the kitchen. Mm, okay. There's some vague you know background advertisements. They got both Coke and Pepsi going. 
Yeah, there were some there were some definite big product placements here. Yeah. Money. Money. Get that money. Money's great. <laughs> well, money doesn't exist in the future. But it exists in the Hollywood accounting for Paramount. Yeah, so. it, exi- oh, yeah, it, it exists yeah. in the filmmakers' wallets. <laughs> the production company we set up to make this movie lost a ton of money, so we we're going to write that off. But the distribution company that had the rights to it made a bunch of money. So we're going to split that up. Yay, bonuses. Mm. These movies made a lot of money for Paramount. Yeah, back when Paramount you know, made stuff and was yeah, you know. an okay company. And the fact that they get a new enterprise in the end of the movie is very, it's very contrived, but it works for, because this movie is very feel good. You know good. what it was missing? It was missing a speeded up stop motion-y thing at the end where they just rebuild it and there's, yeah, no, I was there's no consequences. <laughs> right, I was going to say that. That Like, there are consequences in this one. Like, he gets punished, he gets demoted, <laughs> But he gets that's demoted. exactly one. He's like, "Oh yeah, I get to go back to a starship." You, I'm demoting you to be a starship captain, and we're going to sentence you to a five-year mission. Ah, oh, fuck! <laughs> what a horrible punishment. <laughs> but I think it works for the story, and it, it, you know, however contrived it may be, they pulled it off well. well of course, it works for the story because they're writing yeah. the fucking story. Unlike Star Trek Beyond, where it really is just like a. 10 second bookend to the story like oh yeah reset button everything's good see you next movie kids see you next movie justin bye